You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. This is Ken. I'm in the studio with Jeff and Neil, and we got Matt online. What's going on? Not too I much. Miss I miss the studio. Yeah, yeah, you were here last week. How, how was your experience? Um, it It's still as sweaty as I remember. You know, guys, I'm feeling a little melancholy because Big Mark McKenzie is gone. <laughs> Big Mark McKenzie is gone. I don't know if anyone knows this, but we, we spent our day with a Triviality with him uh, from Patreon, and we created a song for him that I don't know if he'll either hate or he'll love going it's like one of those storytelling songs from oh, like I the 60s it. yeah i think our, i think our lift driver hated it more I, than anyone <laughs> I, I think he did uh yeah. and that's okay um but that song is for mark right if, if he wants to do a, a collab maybe we'll record it into an ep <laughs> or something but yeah when he tra- he traverses the uh the american countryside uh as big mark mckenzie but yeah but yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I, Jeff and I actually signed up to join the uh, the film crew and the, the drone operators going to Scotland to try and find the Loch Ness Monster. So, <laughs> Is that so? Yeah. I, we're just doing it for the paycheck because they're not going to find anything, but we just wanted to get paid to go. Okay. Neil and I actually rigged up a one-man sub. Hopefully it what won't go What are you talking about? What are you guys talking about? They're, they're doing the, the largest excursion ever to find the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Basically, so, do you remember the Naruto run of Area 51? Yeah. It's like that, it's but that with Nessie. With Nessie. Oh. Yeah. And drones. Oh, well, they'll find something. They'll, they'll find something. You know what we can find is some great guests for today's show, Ken. Ooh, very Ooh. well done. Our first guest is from Norfolk, Virginia. She's an Oakland Five supporter, and we can't thank her enough for that. Amanda Sullivan, how are you doing today? And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm doing good. Um, like you said, I'm from... Norfolk, Virginia. I'm a medical physicist here working in radiation oncology. Um, I've got my two cats and I've got two nieces on the way that I'm really excited about. Ooh, my brother uh. and my sister are both having oh, girls. That's, that's at, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Very so, cool. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, I have the honor and privilege of teaming up with Amanda today. And she said she had a very unique uh, school mascot in high school. So our team name is going to be based on that. Um, yeah, we were the unicorns, which I get made fun of a That's lot. That's very for. bizarre, but <laughs> I like it. Did you go to like school it. in Scotland or? No, in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love a unique mascot. Um, and so since you guys were the unicorns, we're going to be children of the unicorn. Awesome. Uh, well, um, 
Jeff, you and I are going to partner today, just based on that, um, the mythical creature of the unicorn. We, we were trying to think of a mythical creature of our own, and uh, we wanted to relive the the time that I threw up uh, on your mouth and on your face, um, like the movie Drag Me to Hell. So we're going to be dragging me to hell. Dragging me to hell. Yeah. All right. But before we can play, we need a great host. And this one happens to come from San Francisco, or just south of San Francisco, I believe he said. He's an Oakland Five supporter. And it's Johnson Earls. Welcome to the show. Please uh, give us the rundown. Thanks. Um, yeah, I, I'm in the San Francisco area. I work in IT, automating everything I can automate. I'm a tech nerd. I like photography. I like board games and infinite unfinished hobbies. Awesome. Well, uh, we can't wait for your game here today, but uh, before we play, we're going to need some rules. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. Crop rules everything around me. All right, we have everything we need to begin the game. So, Johnson, please take it away. Okay. Um, sorry that some of these questions are going to be sort of obscure, and I'm starting out with one. Um, so, in computer gaming history, this 1980s, this early 1980s software product first released for the Apple II and later ported to the Commodore 64, IBM PC, and 8-bit Atari computer systems, was the first example of a new genre of software toys. Written by Bill Budge based on his experience with his earlier hit game Raster Blaster and published by an early Electronic Arts, what was the name of this build-it-yourself game that Tommy would have loved? Jeff, the clue's making me think of this. I think so. It, it, do you think that's enough of an answer to, to lock in? Absolutely, sir. Okay, so uh, Johnson, we're going to lock in over here to let the other team talk. And I just want to say before we start recording, Johnson told us that he built the machines that built the Matrix. And for that, we thank him. So thanks for building the Matrix, Johnson. <laughs> Inadvertently. Inadvertently. Yep. Yeah. All right. So uh, we have a little clue here at the end, Amanda. Tommy would have loved. I'm not sure what that's referencing. Do you have any idea? No. The only thing that comes to mind is I... Um, my go-to karaoke song is Living on a Prayer, and there's a Tommy in that, but I don't know what the mm. how that would relate to this. Um, I worked on the docks, I believe. That, yeah. What about what about the game uh, like Breakout? Is that is that uh, one of the ones where you kind of have the paddle and the ball and you're breaking blocks? Is it called Breakout? I don't know. I've never heard of that. We can go with that if you'd like. Yeah, let's try let's try that. Okay. So Jeff and I uh, are both fans uh, of an old rock group uh, that's still around. Uh, um, who is who, that, Neil? Who is that? Uh, the Who. And we think Tommy is in reference to oh. Pinball Wizard. So we just said oh. Pinball. Yeah, because I think it is on their album, Tommy, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, so Tommy was the Pinball Wizard. Um, the other clue in there was Build It Yourself. This was the Pinball Construction Set. It wasn't a pinball game, but it was a game that let you build pinball games. Mm. Oh, nice. And I think uh, Dragon Me to Hell should definitely be taking points for that. Close right. enough. Uh, what's fun about that question is uh, we have a, a really big um, version of Tommy here in the city that they're thinking it's going to go to Broadway. And Colleen's uncle was a uh, professional photographer for a long time, and he has friends was, that— You are going to say he was a pinball wizard. So. <laughs> he, he might have been. I don't know. Um, but he's friends with a, a musician who's a guitarist who's, who plays a lot of different uh, musicals and things like that. Anyway— 
Um, Colleen's uncle was in town recently. The friend who was the guitarist was on the Tommy show, but decided to take the day off to hang out and do some other gigs. And uh, he got a phone call while he was hanging out with Colleen's uncle and said, um, the people over at Tommy said, I need to be there today. I have to cancel all my plans. And he's like, why? Because uh, Pete Townsend's coming. So you have to be here and play. I'd say so. Yeah. So a lot of pressure. <laughs> okay. Um, so question two, speaking of construction, what do high school teams build while competing in the FIRST competitions? The acronym FIRST means for inspiration and recognition of science and technology and hopes to transform how students think about STEM education. All right, Jeff and I talked, and uh, we had a few ideas here. We, we didn't think it was going to be the overflowing volcano, uh, some of our favorite projects we've done in school, but we have an answer, so we're going to lock in. Do you have any initial thoughts here, Amanda? Uh, my first big... thought was like, th uh, bridges aren't like Baltawood bridges a thing oh. people build in high school. Yeah. Um, did you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I like your answer, but my only thought was like maybe robots or like a Rube Goldberg machine, but uh, I like bridges actually. Okay. Yeah, we Jeff can lock in with that. Just uh, <laughs> bridges as uh, an answer. Okay, just, okay. you know, spanning spanning uh, water. Nash path bridges. Path. That's the one. I think Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman was really good with STEM because he built 21 Bridges. I believe that was a film about 21 it. 21 Bridges, wow. Um, but Jeff, uh, we had a conversation. Um, we were trying to talk about Volcano as a joke, but what, what do you think it might be? Um, uh, well, you wrote it down, Neil, and I, I think it's a good one. We're going to go robots. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I love that you hate it. Yeah, so the constructions that come out of these competitions probably won't transform, but they are robots. Mm. Oh. Oh, transform, that's good. Yeah, sorry, I may have made the clues a little bit too subtle. No, that's nice. To, now Now we know we really have to pay attention to all the details here, which is great, so it's, it's good. Um, question three, speaking of robots, from which 1969 musical movie did Pixar's Wall-E learn that it only takes a moment to fall in love while holding hands at a meet-and-greet? We can lock in over here. I've only seen Wally once, and it was a long time ago, so I don't yeah, remember. I'm, I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this, but I'm not a big Pixar fan generally. Oh, I, I love don't... Pixar, but not. I'm not a big Wally fan. I, I think you're just you're not a fan of lamps, and since the mascot I is a lamp, lamp, I just hate the lamp. <laughs> it's weird. You and Brick Tamlin and are the, the old opposite. and the old chess guy. You know. Oh yeah, <laughs> just die already, chess man. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> 1969, could that be like West Side Story, maybe? Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Does, maybe there's like a little music cue in the in the Wally movie. Yeah. Remember, when you're cool. jetting through space, you're a jet all the way. Yeah, right. All right, let's say... Sounds um, good. Yeah. That sounds all right. West Side Story. All right, so uh, West Side Story was 1961, but that was a really good guess. Um, I'm just going to tell a Neil story here to answer this one because it, it is fitting. Uh, my senior year, we did a musical. I had uh, had knee surgery on Martin Luther King Day in 2003. I had to learn all the choreography and crutches for this show. And uh, during the show at uh, intermission, one of the actresses asked me to grab a curling iron. But someone left it plugged in, and I burnt all the skin off my right hand. So I had to sing this song in a lovey-dovey sort of way while my hand was burning while to hell. While you were degloved. While I was degloved, uh, and my hand was oozing with Neosporin. Uh, and uh, the musical is Hello, Dolly, sung by Cornelius. Yep, the uh, Wally learned how to hold hands from the "It Only Takes a Moment" song in "Hello Dolly." Yeah, I mean, if it's if you watch the movie a lot, you'll see that they have like you know video footage of it and stuff. Yeah. And um, the guy who sang it in the original movie, Michael Crawford, would go on to be one of the most famous versions of Phantom of the Opera. Mm. And I I think his not version, Gerard Butler, not Gerard Butler. <laughs> um, and I actually think his version of this song in the original movie isn't very good, but he ended up being okay. I'm sure with however many royalties he got from being the Phantom. So I'm sure he's doing fine. Yeah. 
Okay, question four. Uh, speaking of Dolly, Dolly was the first mammal cloned from an adult non-stem cell. It's been 27 years since she was born, but who's counting? All I want to know is, what type of animal was Dolly? Neil, we can lock in. Oh, great. I can remember seeing this on the cover of Time. That's your bathroom magazine. It's a nice Time magazine next to the toilet. Was Dolly the livestock of the year? <laughs> no. Uh, it's funny you should say that. But no, I remember when this happened in 1996. Uh, I didn't understand it at the time, um, like I do now. But You had the centerfold edition of this Time magazine? <laughs> Uh, Amanda, Ew. do you have an idea? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a sheep. I remember yep. when this happened too, yeah. Yep, I agree with you. Yeah, uh, we also said Dolly the sheep. The often given advice is to try counting sheep, so Dolly was a sheep. Always always this, the uh, subject of um, rumors in Sheeple magazine too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they're, they're just like us, those sheep. Um, and uh, Johnson, now we're getting on to your clues here. They're really good clues, so I'm glad you put those in there for us. Okay, question five. Um, speaking of sheep, what is the name of the traditional Scottish hat consisting of a flat woolen bonnet stretched into its traditional cir uh, circular shape, then felted and topped with a woolen bowl, a ball? If U.S. Senator Duckworth were Scottish, she might wear one also. All right, these guys are locked in. You were nodding your head like you knew what it might be. What, what were you thinking, Amanda? I think I like to do crossword puzzles a lot, and this is an answer a lot of the times. Um, TAM, T-A-M. And that also okay. fits with Tammy Duckworth is the senator. All right. Um, yep. That's all I wanted to check with you. It sounds okay. like you know what you're talking about. So <laughs> let's go with it. I went way more complicated. I guessed it was a Tamerlane. I have no idea where I thought that was a thing, but. Tamerlane is close. Um, it is a Tamashanter, which is also known as a Tam or a Tammy. Tamoshanter. That's right. I didn't know that was short for anything. That was the word I was looking for. Tamoshanter, my favorite Irish vaudevillian. Are we giving Matt. are we giving them points or no? Hell no. No. Tamerlane? No, 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 it's okay. No we points. Didn't, we no didn't points. Earn it. Well, it's four, to, it's four to two, so. Yes, you were a uh, pronunciation, I suppose, away from a perfect start to the game. Uh, Jeff and Neil with 40 points so far. Ken and Amanda, uh, Children of the Unicorn, uh, getting the last two right, having 20 points as we head into the second half of this round. Question six. This is a long question, so I apologize. Um, speaking of Tammy's. This Tammy was a television evangelist who co-founded the PTL club with her first husband, Jim, later disagreed with other televangelists over her advocacy for LGBT people, but was perhaps most famous for the amount of makeup she wore. In recent years, there have been three musicals about her life, including one which played off-Broadway, one produced in the West End, and a movie that came out in late 2021. Give me her full name, including her middle name, which was always part of her name when people referred to her. You can give her either her full birth name, her married name, for either of her two marriages. Uh, two bonus points if you can give me two of the names, five bonus points for all three. Neil and I can go ahead and lock in. Funny enough, I was reading a, an article about um, some of her fraud cases the other day. Hmm. All right. So I did see the movie uh, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, I really can't recall any of her last names though <laughs> me neither i was gonna say the same thing I, I knew tammy faye as soon as he started talking but i want to say one of her last names starts with a b but i'm not gonna get any more than that all right let's so let's go with since we you know we have uh, our own lucky johnson today giving us the questions let's go with uh tammy faye johnson so <clears throat> i think i know one of them and i think neil you know the other um i'm positive about tammy faye baker and yep. I'm pretty sure it's Baker with two Ks, weirdly. 
think um, you're right. And what was the other one you thought it was? Uh, so I think her other name, I'm not sure if it's her maiden name or not, is Messner. And I think Tammy is, is a nickname for Tamara. So I'm not sure what that does for the points. But that's what we locked in with. Okay, well, I actually hadn't heard about Tamara. So I, I've got the names as Tammy. So she was born Tammy Faye Lavallee. She was Tammy Faye Baker when she was married to Jim Baker on the PTL Club. And from her second marriage on, she was Tammy Faye Messner. All right, so you guys get 12 points and uh, none for us, unfortunately. Okay, question seven. Speaking of famous fays, it was a clash of the fay when the king and queen of the fairies fell into a disagreement in Shakespeare's summer play. What were the names of this king and queen? Five points each. Johnson, were you in. at the high school that I performed <laughs> these plays for? Because I was in this one, too, so we're going to look in. These are like right in... Uh... In Neil's right, wheelhouse. Right in in yeah. your wheelhouses. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I played the King of the Fairies, so this is we know. just for me. And what was his name? <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> All right. I think um, the Queen is Mab, right? Queen Mab? Uh, that I don't know, but I have a feeling the King is Oberon. Okay. Maybe. Unless I'm thinking Game of Thrones. But uh, we're going to go with uh, Oberon and Mab? Yeah. Okay. Yep, um, just because, I, I think I've told this before, but uh, the actress playing the queen uh, purposely ate White Castle with a ton of extra onions for our stage kiss uh, to surprise me, and it, it definitely tasted that way. Um, but uh, I, I locked in with Oberon, because I played Oberon and Jeff. Uh, King of the Fairies. Yeah, King and, of the Fairies. Uh, Titania, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah, that argument that became a Clash of the Fade, not a Clash of the Titans, was between Titania and Oberon. Okay, question eight. Speaking of Titania and Oberon, which of the planets owes a sideways tip of the hat to Shakespeare for the names of many of its moons, including Titania and Oberon? Okay, uh, Jeff is uh, feverishly writing on the paper. I know nothing of moons except Warren, so we're going to lock in. Okay, so we know Saturn has Titan, at least, so I don't think it's Saturn. So I would say Neptune? That's what I was thinking, and also the sideways tip of the hat, because I think, I never remember if it's Neptune or, or Uranus that, like, um, has the little on ring. side, kind of, or... Yeah. All right, um, well, let's go but, Let's go with our gut and say Neptune, shall sounds, we? Sounds good. Um, we had originally written down Neptune, but I think the one that's sideways is uh, Uranus, so... I'm going to feel really bad if we're wrong. So we said Uranus. I'm so sad that people are saying Uranus correctly these days, you know. <laughs> I know. We used to live in a, in a better time. You mean Uranus? I, I wasn't going to go that far. The planet that is tipped sideways and has many moons named after Shakespeare characters is Uranus. Mm -hmm. We're just uh, on these 50-50 coin flips. Yeah. It's not coming out our way, but... I always checked out for For that any question. of you who haven't looked up a photo of Io, that is my favorite moon by far. It's super cool. Not, so you had he's, the, he's got the he's got the <laughs> centerfold of Io, <laughs> centerfold of Io as well, under his bed with the sheep with the. Yeah. yeah, it's actually like a bunch of Io centerfold. So it's like the the character, like the god, and then the planet or the the moon. So now, in those uh, types of magazines, are they allowed to show Uranus, <laughs> or is it a little? I think you can as long as it's behind a cover in the store. I see. You can't just display it, you I know, gotcha. regularly like Europe. It's gently pixelated. It's gently, yeah, gently pixelate, pixelated Uranus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, they're only nine. allowed to shoot it from the front, weirdly. <laughs> <laughs> this has been like three minutes of you guys trying to get the episode title. One of those is it. Find out which one. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, question nine. Uh, speaking of Uranus, uh, Uranus fathered the Titans with his wife Gaia, who was also his mother. Uh, two of the Titans, Cronus and Rhea, then gave birth to six children, including the first five Olympians. Because of a prophecy about being killed by his offspring, Cronus swallowed the first five of his children before being defeated by the sixth and compelled to disgorge the others, who then, together, killed him. These third-generation gods consisted of three brothers who ruled the sky, the sea, and the underworld, and three sisters who blessed the harvest, the hearth, and the family. For ten points, name four of these brother and sister gods. For five bonus points, name all six. So Neil was really quick to write these down, and I'm very grateful he did. I think we've got four of them that we're going to lock in with, and then we've got two that we'll try for the bonus points. Okay. All right, so it looks like we're looking for the Greek names here uh, as opposed to the Roman names. Um, And I think we had a good read on it. So Amanda, why don't you run through those really quick? So for the gods, it would be Zeus, um, Hades, and... Poseidon for the sky, the underworld, and the sea. And then mm-hmm. the daughters or the sisters would be um, Hera, Hestia, and Demeter, I believe. Okay. I like it. Yep. We locked in um, with the four that we knew right off the bat. So we said Zeus, Poseidon, Hades, and Hera. And then our guesses for the bonuses are Apollo and Demeter. Well, uh, Amanda got them all. So awesome. I I don't know which ones were which. I was I, I realized I should have actually written that down when I researched this. Well, I know that when uh, I play the game Hades, I'm always hoping that Demeter shows up because I like her power ups. Her belief okay, is also so... uh, Hades' mother-in-law, technically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're all they're, they're yeah. all. Yeah, like his father was his sister and his son to, was his brother. D- I, yeah. yeah, I don't even try to figure out those relationships there. So Chinatown is is basically an Olympian tale, is what you're saying, Ken. That's right. Okay. Okay. And for question 10, speaking of the Olympians, the Greek gods had their own form of food and drink, which were called ambrosia and nectar. Which type of trees nectar-filled blooms might produce a fruit variety called ambrosia, even though it would usually be in a salad with walnuts, not with marshmallows? All right. uh, We had a discussion here trying to figure out what kind of tree uh, this would be, and Jeff uh, was talking about all the types of salads he enjoys. And what did you say, Jeff? Well, I think maybe I was overthinking this a little bit, thinking too much about 90s one-hit wonders. Um, But we said tangerine. (laughs) Uh, Amanda, I'm thinking that the walnuts might be a reference to the disgusting Waldorf salad. I disagree about the disgusting, but yes, (laughs) you're right about the Waldorf salad. Uh, That has apples in it, correct? Correct. That's what I was thinking, too. So Mm. apples is what we're going to go with. Yep. The Waldorf salad has walnuts, grapes, celery, and apples. Oh, God. <laughs> that sounds like the worst. Apples to tangerines, uh, Jeff. We didn't get it right. Honestly, it's just the celery part that I don't what's, like. What's the binding agent? Like mayo, like a mayo-based I, dressing. I'm actually not sure. I've never had one. I'd never had a desire for one. Yeah, I, always, I don't. Have, I drive I don't, by uh, Waldorf and I just keep going because I know that salad's there. It's <laughs> waiting no for you. No thanks, Stalking but... you. What's wrong with the other things? I mean, celery is a, is a gross, fibrous, like water nonsense. Yeah, celery but... should not exist. Just don't want any of that stuff together. What's yeah. wrong with grapes and apples and walnuts? They're fine on their own. I don't want them together. I think, I think it is mayo. Together. I think it is mayo. That's horrible. I'm sorry, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After the first round, uh, Amanda and Ken, children of the unicorn, uh, coming up with 50 points, getting those half points and bonuses, really helping them out there. Uh, but Jeff and Neil dragging them to hell. Uh, they haven't gotten much wrong. They're at 82 points with a little bit of a lead. 
going into the swing round, but before we do, uh, Neil, why don't you tell the people a little bit about Patreon? Yeah, if you'd like to join Amanda and Johnson uh, in supporting the show, getting uh, a bunch of extra audio content like the crop drops and uh, monthly Patreon bonuses, as well as all of our newest episodes ad-free, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. It's where uh, it allows us to continue the show, uh, slaying the dragon that is uh, mediocrity, getting better when we can. Um, and uh, we just uh, had a special episode last week uh, called The Day with Triviality, which was an exclusive for a special patron, uh, one of the levels that we have on there. So that's something you can look into. Um, but we can't do the show without our patrons. And uh, speaking of patrons, people who help us out just as much are our playtesters in the crop and discord. I believe, Johnson, you uh, sent this game to some playtesters. So we just want to thank all of our playtesters um, in all the different facets and places that uh, that you exist, helping us get our games to a place that uh, they're the best that they can be. So uh, if you want to join Patreon, go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcasts. And if you'd like to playtest some games, just uh, check out the crop or the discord. And without further ado, let's uh, jump into swing round. Speaking of Apple Records... In the, immortal, in the immortal words of Alan Sherman, my daughter needs a new photograph. She wore out all the needles. Besides, I broke the old one in half. I hate the Beatles. Um, I have a list of 20 uh, of the 20 Beatles songs that reached number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart. Name up to 10 Beatles songs. Each one that's on the list earns five points, and there's 10 bonus points if all 10 songs that you name are on the list. Awesome. Nice uh, quick swing around here. We will take a quick break and come up with these Beatles songs. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— we answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back with our answers. We have 10 Beatles songs at least, so... Let's, uh, let's get right into it. And before we go back to Johnson, Ken, uh, would you say this is your favorite swing round of all time? It's my favorite swing round of all time. Just love the Beatles. So basically what we had to do was write 10 Beatles songs that made it to number one out of the 20 that did. Um, and we're going to run down our lists, and uh, then Johnson can tell us the correct uh, 20 songs. So uh, we started with I Want to Hold Your Hand. Help. You're, you're sure, Ken, sure. Oh. Help. Twist and Shout, Hey Jude, Love Me Do, Yesterday, Eleanor Rigby, Come Together, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, and Let It Be. 
Okay. Um, so the first five we selected out of our, our list was Hold Your Hand, Can't Buy Me Love, She Love You, She Loves You, Hey Jude, Penny Lane. And then for the other half, we selected Come Together, Hard Day's Night, Lady Madonna, Help, and Eight Days a Week. So uh, the 20 number one hits that the Beatles had were A Hard Day's Night, All You Need Is Love, Can't Buy Me Love, Come Together, Eight Days a Week, Get Back, Hello Goodbye, Help, Hey Jude, I Feel Fine, I want to hold your hand, let it be, love me do, paperback writer, Penny Lane, she loves you, the long and winding road with a subtitle of For You Blue, ticket to ride, we can work it out, and yesterday. They had a couple songs, a couple good ones in there. (laughs) All right, so we can tell that one of these teams had the Beatles One's album that was sold on TV repeatedly all throughout the 2000s. Um, Neil and Jeff picking up 45 points there, bringing their toll to a whopping 127, which is one of the highest nice job, first round swing round scores we've seen, I imagine. Um, but Amanda and Ken picking up 35, bringing them to 85 points, and we know we have a whole second round, so it's anybody's game, as they say every week. Now, Ken, this is a bit of a of a personal dilemma for you here. Uh-huh. Uh, what I'm going to bring up. So, I I saw on social media that apparently Drake, um, mm-hmm. who you also love, has a tattoo on I, his I arm don't. Uh-huh. Um, of him passing the Beatles on Abbey Road, like giving the peace sign because he passed the number twenty number one hits. How do you feel about Drake dissing the Beatles? Would you Would you be a Beatles fan knowing that Drake now oh, is I, dissing I, the Beatles? I, I'd uh, I'd go with the Beatles over Drake, though. Well, I don't know. Abusers on both sides. <laughs> it's true. Can't wait for 30 years when there's a trivia show that says, name the 20 Drake number one. <laughs> yeah, right. Hotline Hopefully we'll be here Blaine. in 20 years. We'll invite you back, Johnson. You're going to have to give us the, the top 20 Drake songs in I mean, 20 I want to be here in 20 years, but I don't know if I want to be here in 20 years. <laughs> right. So question one, speaking of the Beatles, which Beatle is often a colorful and helpful visitor to gardens preying on aphids and other plant-destroying bugs? Mrs. Johnson might have enjoyed seeing them among the Rose Garden. Okay, so they're locked in. Uh, Jeff, is a a ladybug considered a beetle? I'm pretty sure they are. And the Mrs. Johnson I'm thinking of is l- probably Lady Bird Johnson, uh, seeing as how the Rose Garden is at the White House. And she was part bird? Uh, yes, 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 she was. Um, she was basically the uh, the WNBA equivalent of Larry Legend. Um, but, yeah, I think the correct answer is Ladybug. Okay. So let's go with it. Uh, would you agree with that assessment, Amanda? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Because a ladybug. I remember. Bird. Yeah, I remember an old uh, Eric Carl book where a ladybug was eating aphids, and never forgot it. So we're yeah. gonna say ladybug. Yep, President Johnson's wife might have enjoyed finding ladybird beetles among the White House White House Rose Garden. Um, they're also called ladybugs, lady beetles, ladybirds, or coccinellidae for the sciency types. Okay, question two. Uh, speaking of ladybugs and aphids. What liquid secreted by aphids and farmed by ants shares its name with a round, sweet-sounding sweet melon? If you forget about this, your spouse will remind you. Neil, we can lock in. You do love the uh, secretions of uh, aphids. You do love them? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Do you think it would be honeydew? Uh, that's what I was thinking, like a honeydew list. 
I can't. I can name approximately three or four melons. So I don't know how Johnson right, knew same. this, but but aphid secretions was our was my grunge band name ah. in, in high school. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's go with honeydew. Sounds good. Yeah. And did you know that the Beatles' original title for "Love, Love Me Do" was "Love Honeydew"? Uh, go ahead, Jeff. John Lennon really loved honeydew. He did. He just loved it. I don't know why you passed it off to me after you said the answer, but we said honeydew. <laughs> yep. If you're an aunt and shopping is on your honeydew list, you might bring back some honeydew. So, okay, question three. Speaking of melons, uh, many melons, including watermelons, come in seeded and seedless varieties. The same is true grapes. What is the name of the most common type of seedless grapes grown in America? They would also probably be enjoyed by the queens in Oman and Brunei. Yeah, Neil, I'm I'm tapping out on this. I, well, we we can lock in with our best guess, which we still think is incorrect. Okay. All right, so this team doesn't have the grapes for this question. Um, they're sour for sure. All right, Amanda, there seems they're out. Um, do you have any idea on this one? The only one I can think of that's not like a wine grape is Concord grapes, but I don't know Concord. what that would have to do with Oman or Brunei. Yeah, I was thinking maybe the word sultan or sultanus or something like that could be in it. Right, that's a yeah, I don't know what their queens are called, so... Um, should we say Sultan? We think that this is pivotal to knowing the answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure, Sultan sounds or good to Sultan. me. Or Sultan. Yeah, Sultan. Okay. Should have tried to reason this one out, Neil. I think we missed it, but we said Concord. Okay. Well, the queens of the Sultans in Oman and Brunei might enjoy some refreshing Sultanas, which are also known as Thompson Seedless. I wonder where the Thompson comes from. Just some random guy whose name? It's the person who developed it. Oh, Okay. I don't want seeds in these grapes. I'm going to change it. I'm going to alter nature. <laughs> it's like that. It was like this one thing. Like everyone's like, oh, I'm going to want to be an astronaut. No, I want to go to the NBA. I want to take seeds out of grapes. But he, he got the seeds out of the grapes. You got to give him credit. <laughs> His mom's like at, a, at someone's funeral. And it's like, did you know my little boy Thompson? He got rid of the seeds and the grapes. You can thank him for that. <laughs> okay. Question four. Speaking of sultanas and sultans, The Sultans of Swing was written by the lead singer and guitarist of the band originally known as Cafe Racers, who performed the song in local pubs, but changed their name before recording the demo tape of Sultans of Swing. By what perilous new name did the band record The Sultans of Swing and continue recording and performing until disbanding in 1995? Yeah, so Jeff's locked in. Yeah, we're locked in. And uh, I do think I know this one. Did you have any idea you said music wasn't your forte? It's definitely not. I'm assuming it's something to do with perilous danger or something, but I don't know much more than that. All right, well, today we're getting uh, questions for nothing and answers for free. So uh, we're going to say Dire Straits. Yeah, Neil's moving those refrigerator-aterators. Uh, we also said Dire Straits. Yep. It is dire straits. They did not find themselves in any perilous situations after renaming themselves. Okay, question five. Uh, speaking of the cafe racers, this is the obligatory sports question, but it's really a vocabulary question. What is the name of an arena that sounds like it was designed for Jurassic Park speedsters, but is actually for bicycle racing? We can lock in. All I got is the Jurassic Park speedsters. Are those the Raptors? I'm not sure. Um, I know, uh, like a cycling arena. I think it's something drome. Oh, um, cyclodrome or something like that. Or I don't. I don't remember. It sounds different from what it is, though. 
I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's not Videodrome, right? Long live the flesh. (laughs) The new flesh. (laughs) The new flesh. (laughs) Not the old flesh. Good job. I'm picking that up, Jeff. (laughs) I'm proud of you. I don't think you've ever even seen the movie, but I'm proud of you. You're welcome. Is is a hippodrome a thing? But I don't think that's an arena. I think that's something else. That would be hippo is a horse. Oh, right. Is the the root. But um, I'm not totally opposed to that as an answer because bikes are like metal horses kind right. of. So let's say hippodrome. Okay. I think that's fine. Um assuming that it was in Jurassic Park, we said Velocidrome? Oh. Mm. We don't know. Well, that's close. Um Velociraptors would not be so welcome in a velodrome. 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 Close. And yeah. uh, uh Amanda was right. Um a hippodrome is like a, an arena for performances and there's one in London as well now, but it's uh yeah was used for performances. Yeah. All right, after five questions, uh, looks like Amanda and Ken, children of the unicorn, adding 30 points, bringing their total to 115. Uh, Jeff and Neil, uh, dragging me to hell, also adding 30 points, bringing their score to 157. Okay, question six. This is the, the other obligatory sports question, but it's really a geography question. The UCI World Tour is a set of 38 bicycle races, including 18 multi-stage races, such as the most famous, the Tour de France. Which federation is the only country on the Arabian Peninsula to host one of those multi-stage races? Did you have any ideas on this one, Amanda? No, I was trying to think of which country might be referred to as a federation, but I couldn't come up with any. Um, Well, I would say you could consider the United Arab Emirates a uh, federation that of makes emirates? sense yeah of arab emirates perhaps does that sound right jeff i don't know if you would have a federation of emirates well i i don't know but uh let's say uh let's say that that sounds I think, good i think emirates are the federation okay. part so we said the uae <laughs> <laughs> so yes and yes the uh, the uae is a federation of emirates the emirates are the states so, uh, question seven. Speaking of the Arabian Peninsula, the Arabian Nights is the most common English name given to a collection of folk tales from the Middle East, Northern Africa, and Southern Asia. Like the Canterbury Tales, the, uh, the story of the Arabian Nights has a central device that allows the different tales to be told. In this case, a king who kills all of his wives, and the one wife who preserves her own life by telling the king a number of stories but not finishing them until he agrees to postpone her execution again and again. What is the lesser-used English title for this collection of stories, which is the translation of its actual Arabic name, and indicates how many stories were told? Five bonus points if you could also name, uh, if you could also give the name of the storytelling wife. All right, Jeff wrote down uh, what he believes is the name of the wife, and uh, we think we know the English translation, and we're just going to go with it. Okay, I have a, I have a jumping off point here, but I wanted to hear your thoughts before I pollute your mind with my, <laughs> with my um, garbage. I, I want to say something about like either a thousand or a thousand and one stories or nights or something, but I don't remember. And I, I'm sure if I heard the wife's name, I would. I'd recognize it, but I can't pull it right now. What do you okay, have? So I did write 1001 Nights, uh, and I don't think we would both be wrong about that extra one. That was right. kind of my, my thing. But since it's both in our head, I think 1001 Nights will be our answer. And I think that the wife might be Shahrazad. Okay, I was thinking that, but um, yeah, that sounds good to me. 
Yeah, and so for us, um, of course, unsurprisingly, in the Magic the Gathering set, Arabian Nights, there's a card called Shahrazad, um, which basically postpones and makes a mini game um, in the style of of this story, which is how I first found out about it. Um, and we agree. We said the one thousand and one nights. Yep, the stories are recited to the king over a thousand and one nights, which leads to the official title of the Thousand Nights and One. Either one is acceptable for the tales told by Scheherazade. So, full uh, fifteen points for both. We um, we've been a podcast for longer than a thousand and one nights. That's true. That's Keeping true. Jeff alive. <laughs> it's true. I, I stopped doing this podcast and execute him. <laughs> Yeah, so please keep listening and supporting Patreon. Otherwise, Jeff will be executed. <laughs> if our patrons drop too low, I just fade off the Quite face a of the earth. for the show. <laughs> and Matt gets to choose it, too, which is it sounds very ominous. I look forward to it. <laughs> okay, question eight. Uh, speaking of knights, the Knight Rider, Michael Knight, was a former police detective who was given his new name and new face to become a crusader to champion the cause of the innocent. Uh, driving around Southern California and the American Southwest in the intelligence self-controlling car KIT, K-I-T-T. What numeric name did the acronym KIT stand for? For five bonus points, what did CAR, K-A-R-R, the name of KIT's predecessor and now wandering adversary, stand for? All right, we think we know the main question, um, the car that uh, supported the uh, buttocks of Hasselhoff. So we're going to lock in with that and take a guess on the bonus. All right, Amanda, I, I really don't have any idea on this one. I don't, I don't know how to make it a numeric right. name. I was thinking like the last, the T's could be 22 or something like that, or 23 or 33. It could be a lot of things. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what either. Um Killer Instinct 33. Michael Knight Rider. Yeah. Um, and I have no idea for, for car, K-A-R-R. So we didn't know the the bonus. Uh, it's probably something, I don't know, R robot or something. So we said uh, Kit, uh, who was voiced by Mr. Feeney himself, William Daniels. Uh, oh. We said Knight Industries 2000. Yep. Um, it was Night Industries 2000 in the original sh uh, series or Night Industries 3000 when they rebooted it in the sometime in this century. Um, and his adversary was the Night Automated Roving Robot. Yes. All right. Oh, man, I almost could have guessed that. Okay, uh, question nine. Speaking of riders, an atypical bicycle riding amateur detective on the BBC solves crimes while, while cycling around his village, likely annoying his parish secretary in the process. His current run on the BBC began in 2013, but he's also appeared in films in 1934 and 1954, a German TV show in 1966, and a British ITV show in 1974, originating in novels written by the English novelist G.K. Chesterton. Who is this colorful cleric? This game's right up my alley with these oh, mystery yeah. things here. I like this. Uh, I knew this British one myself. mystery crap. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so we can lock in. Yeah. Uh, any idea here? Um, so cleric uh, could be like a vicar or parson or something. Vicar is a very yeah. British name, but I don't know. I see colorful. Yeah. Too. Parson Brown? Oh, that. From the, from the song? Sure. Sounds good to me. This might be one of those uh, rodent uh, issues that we had on a previous episode, but uh, yeah, we locked in with Father Brown. Yeah, that's an, uh, it's an interesting uh, 
uh, decision to be made. Yes, it, it was Father Brown. Um, I'm not sure well, if it's the counts because Father Brown is actually title. the name of the the title of the series. Right. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, Fine. no points. Fine. Yeah. Ken gets to be in my seat like last time. The, the prairie dog. <laughs> the prairie debacle. dog debacle. <laughs> okay. Question ten. Speaking of colorful detectives, which board game designed by a British musician in the 1940s but first published in the U.S. in 1949 with a slightly different name famously allows the player's colorful characters to move between rooms across the board using secret passages? Must be Clue, yeah? Clue, right. Yes, yeah, as soon as he said colorful detectives, sleep in them. We agree. We said Clue. <laughs> yep, it is Clue or Cluedo in U.K. Uh, Cluedo. Yep. That's why I wrote Pluto first. Because like, oh, it's a game about clues. What should we call it? Pluto. <laughs> Cluedo. Cluedo. All right. After the second round, uh, Amanda and Ken reaching that magical 150 number where they don't have to think about their wagers. And Jeff and Neil getting absolutely nothing wrong, it seems like, the entire game. And they are up to 212 points. Jeez. Um, but we'll see if the uh, final moves away from Neil's wheelhouse a little bit. So uh, take it away, Johnson. Okay. Um, speaking of Clue, these are the final round categories. Miss Scarlet in the library reading historical fiction. Colonel Mustard in the kitchen making a sandwich. Mrs. Peacock in the conservatory with field glasses. Professor Plum in the study looking at an atlas. And Mrs. White in the lounge watching television. So I think Neil and I have to just go for our personal best team score here. Um, so we're going to do 30s all the way down. And I think we just have to try to win. And uh, 30s, acceptable? Sounds good. I'm glad we don't have to think about it because I wouldn't know which one of these I'd be good at based yeah. on the category titles. And you kind of so, don't until so, the questions come up yeah. usually. Correct. So. so all the wagers are in. Everybody's going for it. So we'll see how this game turns out when we hear the questions. Okay, uh, for Miss Scarlet in the library reading historical fiction, the color Scarlet stands out in literature titles from The Scarlet Letter and A Study in Scarlet to the Nancy Drew novel The Scarlet Slipper Mystery. One such title, a, a historical fiction about an English aristocrat saving French aristocrats from the French Revolution, takes its name from a common flower across Europe, Western Asia, and North Africa. Written by the Baroness Orksy, which stage play and novel with Scarlet in the title later produced many TV and movie adaptations? Question two. Um, for Colonel Mustard in the Kitchen Making a Sandwich, Dijon mustard, as it is known today, was first developed in 1752 by replacing vinegar in the usual mustard recipe of the day with verjuice, the, right of the juice of unripe grapes. Modern Dijon mustard is made using a mixture of white wine, vinegar, salt, and water designed to imitate the flavor of the original verjuice. However, the primary ingredient, ground brown mustard seeds, has never changed. Which country, once a European colony, grows 80% of the mustard seeds used in modern Dijon mustard production? Question 3. Miss Peacock in the conservatory with field glasses. The peacock is well known for the male's extravagant plumage. In the case of two of the three species of peafowl, this is especially true in the long covert feathers that cover the actual tail feathers and often drag along the ground behind the bird. The three species of peafowl originate from different areas of the globe. Two come from different geographical subregions of Asia and one from a river basin in Africa. 
give two of those three areas from where the three species of these beautiful birds originate, the names of countries in those areas would also be acceptable. Question four. Professor Plum in the study looking at an atlas. Very few flags have historically included the color purple due to the high expense of the purple dye before modern synthetic dyes. One country's second republic used a tricolor flag of red, yellow, and purple stripes in the eight years between the original monarchy being voted out and a new republic surrendering to the military during the country's civil war. The same flag continued to be used by the government in exile while the country was ruled by a military dictatorship until 1977 when the government in exile was dissolved in recognition of the country's new constitutional monarchy. Which European country is this? And question five. Uh, this is Mrs. White in the lounge watching television. Betty White, the beloved actress and comedian, was a guest panelist on many different talk shows and game shows. In the early 1960s, she met her third husband, the entertainer, radio host, and game show host Alan Ludden, on the set of his perhaps most famous game show. After Alan Ludden died in 1981, she never remarried, remarking to Larry King, once you've had the best, who needs the rest? On which 1960s Alan Ludden game show was Betty White a frequent guest? All right, we have the questions. We'll uh, listen to these messages, and we'll be right back with our answers. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the Chart Topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. So we have our answers to the final round, and we have returned from break. Uh, can't wait to hear those questions one more time and find out who won. But first, Neil's got to sell some stuff. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Uh, just uh, wanted to say one more time, last week was the release of my second book, Behind the Screens, Illustrated Floor Plans and Scenes from the Best TV Shows of All Time. 
features great illustrations from an artist from Spain named Inyaki. And just want to let all of the Triviality listeners know, if you do uh, end up getting the book, since I can't be everywhere, uh, everywhere, anywhere, everywhere, all at once, everything, everywhere, all at once, you know what I'm saying, Ken. Anyway, since I can't be everywhere... I um, can't be Michelle Yeoh. I can't be Michelle Yeoh. I nobody have, can be. No, that's true. No one can. Um, I have book plates, so I can personalize a, a little signing card that you can stick on the inside of your book. So if you'd like that, uh, after you buy the book, just email us at trivialitybooking at gmail.com. That's triviality, B-O-O-K-I-N-G at gmail.com. And I will mail you um, a personalized signed uh, book plate for your book. So feel free to pick it up behind the screens uh, on sale now. And let's go ahead and uh, get those questions one more time. And we'll find out who will be today's cream of the crop. What were the Scarlet named historical fiction stage play and novel written by the Baroness Orxy? So we'll start. Uh, this one was tough for us. Um, we, we haven't heard this as a play or a novel per se, but I have heard the title Scarlet Begonias as a Grateful Dead song. So we just went with Scarlet Begonias. Yeah, we uh, we knew this one uh, from the play angle. Uh, we're not sure if it's confirmed or not that it was a nickname for Harvey Keitel in the movie Taxi Driver, but we said the Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh. Oh. It was the Scarlet Pimpernel who Stan Lee described as the first character who could be called a superhero. Okay, question two. Uh, which country grows 80% of the mustard seeds used to produce Dijon mustard? So uh, our reasoning here, or I should say my reasoning on this, was I remember there's a passage in the Bible regarding mustard seeds, and so we were thinking probably Middle East, Northern Africa. So we stuck with the Northern Africa and said Morocco. Ken pulling out the Bible over here. Um, not literally. <laughs> not literally. Uh, this one, um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right. I, I think I wrote a question about this a very long time ago, and I referenced our friend Stacy McPeak, who at the time lived in Saskatchewan. So uh, we said Canada. And yes, uh, the answer is Canada. What? It, 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 it used... not, I would never would have guessed that. Yeah, it used to be grown all around Dijon, but then the, uh, and the, uh, the farming changed and it's no longer grown in France. Okay, question three. Give two of the three areas from where the peafowl species originate. All right, so I was pretty sure one of these was uh, India, and uh, we kind of took a wild guess on the second region. Do you want to give that Amanda? Yes, we said um, China. We decided not to try to figure out the river basin in Africa. <laughs> um, so India yeah. and China. No, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, we too said India, and then figuring about the same latitude, we thought maybe this was the Congo River Basin in Africa. So the three answers are Southern Asia, Southern Asia or India, the Congo River Basin or the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and Southeast Asia or any of the countries there, which is Indonesia, Bangladesh, Myanmar, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, or the southern part of China. <sighs> Barely got it. Just, just, just got it. It's a lot of peacock. Okay, question four. Which European country's second republic used a tricolor flag of red, yellow, and purple stripes? We both thought Spain pretty early on. I was thinking France at first because of the government exile, but we realized that didn't have a military dictatorship until 1977, so we said Spain. Yep. If you listen to the recent game I wrote, uh, I knew Franco had died in 1977, and we said Spain. Listen to the recent game Jeff wrote. I remember the answers, note by note. <laughs> yes, Spain. Um, and the reason no one used purple dye was because it was produced by drying uh, drying sea snails, and you needed thousands of snails to produce a little bit of purple dye. That's why it was traditionally associated with royalty. 
Doesn't stop Jeff. <laughs> He's a big snail, snailman. <laughs> That's why his basement is just full of snail carcasses. Snailsmen, if you will. Snailsmen. Did you, do you get him flown into Chicago or do you get him? Oh, no. Oh, well, he, he, he goes he, digging oh, in the dirt. I was going to say, I, yeah. I get him trawled up. You then... also sent an order when you were five years old and they just got here. So now you're able to <laughs> take him out. He doesn't just use sea snails either. Any snail he can find. That's right. He's a bad man. Speaking of this, isn't there a snail in Alice in Wonderland? Or no, that's a caterpillar. I was going to say, would we have turned that snail into a purple? He does force the snails to smoke hookah, though, <laughs> as a mad experiment. Well, it's a it's a He's more a sick man. He's a sick man. It's like when you put lobsters in the fridge, you know, to, to dull their senses. What is it, what is that called? It's the humane way to do it. You give them hookah. <laughs> He's a sick man, Jeff. <laughs> okay. Question five: On which 1960s Alan Ludden game show was Betty White a frequent guest? Uh, one uh, answer we came up with was maybe "What's my line?" But eventually, we decided on Amanda on the match game. Yeah, I think Neil unlocked the secret word here. What'd you say, Neil? The password is Ooh. password. Yep, password. She was on there a lot for some reason. All right. After the final, a valiant effort from the children of the unicorn, uh, losing just 30 points there, uh, coming up with 120 points. Uh, but today's victors could not be stopped by anything. They have dragged us all to hell. Uh, they had 150 points, ending up with a whopping 362 points. Today, Jeff and Neil are the cream of the crop. Sorry about yeah, that. I'm living in a nightmare. Matt said he had his the cream. Matt said he had his fill of heaven, so we dragged you back to hell. <laughs> yeah, what a what a great game, uh, Johnson. The the questions just happened to to line up uh, in our wheelhouse a little bit here, but um, they were you know great clues. And yeah, I just I don't know. We felt pretty good during this game. I was hoping. We could at least get 365 just to be like, you know, the, a question a day for a year. But I guess we didn't get to that. So maybe that's another goal for a different time, Jeff. But <laughs> Neil <laughs> loves to taunt his opponents by asking to win more. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we that was a great game, Johnson. Uh, thank you for putting those questions together. Um, great clues uh, and a, a nice uh, stream of conscious there from question to question with the different clues. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Amanda, uh, great game today. Sorry we couldn't come away with the W. Mostly my fault, I'm sure. But uh, why don't you uh, give us our, your final shout-outs? We'll uh, say goodbye. Um, I guess I'll just shout-out to my brother and sister. I'm not sure if they listen to this, but I'll get them to listen to this episode at least. And my little niece is on the way. Um, I had a lot of fun. I was nervous coming on here, but it, it was a lot of fun even though we didn't win. I'm I'm just glad we didn't end up with zero. That's <laughs> Always yeah, it was it was a pleasure. You know, we didn't do too bad. We got about you know fifty percent of things, all things considered. But these guys just were were too good. No. Yeah. And uh, Johnson, any anyone you'd like to shout out before we let you go today? Yeah, I uh, wanted to thank the group of friends we call the Doodlers for the initial place testing of all these questions. A lot of them changed based on that, and then all the play testers on Discord, and especially uh, Terp Christian and Ian Schultze for the practice game so that I could get through the questions mostly without tripping over my own tongue. All right. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks thank to, you so much. Yeah, thanks for this uh, great game today. We appreciate you being on the show. Um, and uh, we also need to think, before we go, Airwave Media. They can be found at airwavemedia.com with other great shows like The Art of Crime or The Labors of Hercule. You like uh, that one? I do like that one. I, I do like the art of crime because it does chronicle <laughs> Jeff with the snails and turning them into purple. I thought for sure you said the art of crying. <laughs> crime. Crime. Okay. And, the other, and another one Neil uh, probably likes is movie therapy. 
Oh yes, I do. I, I find the uh, the movie theater to be the uh, the therapy couch. Well, that'll do it for today. Uh, once again, I want to thank our guests Amanda and Johnson, and for Matt, Jeff, Neil, and myself. That was Triviality. <laughs> <laughs>